Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hi, Leader, and welcome to the Still Space Podcast, episode number 60, When You Doubt Yourself. This is a really important episode to me because I have, and every single person I know, has struggled with doubting themselves. Are they good enough to apply for the roles that they want? Do they deserve to be in a happy relationship? Will things go their way if they actually risk and do something they're afraid of doing? I find in my research, my experience with my clients, what I read, and other studies that I follow, that people who are successful resoundingly attribute their success to the fact that they feel worthy to be there. Research points to this, people that I talk to validate it. Thus, those who are not successful often feel as if there's something wrong with them. They're not worthy. And I want to go into some of the symptoms of how this shows up because these are shame symptoms. The feelings that bubble to the surface just as you try to step out of your comfort zone and they halt your progress and your mindfulness and your success. So have you ever felt any of these? Guilt and shame that follows. I feel really guilty that this happened and oh, I'm so embarrassed about it. Or when expectations take over or when you fear change. You're jealous and you start comparing and judging perfectionism sets in where I'm just going to work this document a little bit more and it absolutely disintegrates your productivity. Or you feel like you don't fit in or belong. Who hasn't felt that? You become defensive and project your feelings onto others. Somebody else is making you feel this way. Some situation is making you feel this way. And you have this resentfulness feeling and negativity that affects your relationships both personally at home with the people that you love, but also at work. It shows up and shows there. You close yourself off to vulnerability at the exact time you need to lean in to being vulnerable. I feel a little uneasy here, but that's okay. I'm going to go into that place because I know there is where I will discover what is really in the way such that I can deal with it. And then your emotions start to shut down when you feel shame and doubt. 
And emotions are not mutually exclusive, so when you shut one down, they all go. If you shut down to pain, disappointment, frustration, regret, you will also not feel love and joy and excitement or happiness. Have you ever been in that state where you feel numb or empty? You might start overreacting or withdrawing or feel that happiness is temporary and only situational. If all of these things line up, then I'll be happy. And you avoid joy because it won't last. Foreboding joy. I don't want to get too happy because I know this isn't going to last. This is shame. This is doubt. Or you wait for the next bad thing to happen. I know it's going to happen. I don't want to think it's not going to happen. So I'll prepare myself. The next bad thing's going to happen. And you forget what gratitude feels like, what it's like to be thankful. Well, I don't want to be too thankful because I know this isn't going to last. And then you start over-functioning, staying busy on that what I call treadmill to nowhere. Because at least you aren't being lazy, you're just working harder. And that always served you, so that's what you'll do. But yet you still feel empty. And you put your attention on anger and fear. You start worrying. You become anxious. Oh, I, I'm going to fail at this. And you start fast-forwarding your life to a point where you're making suppositions that aren't even realistic. But you think this is going to protect you from not feeling harm when something bad does go wrong. And all of this is totally out of whack with being mindful of where you are, allowing yourself to be vulnerable and investigate what's underneath this fear. You know, I'm afraid to apply for this job. I don't think I'll be good enough in it. And Well, but then if I take a risk and actually get it, I might disappoint people and let them down and let myself down. And then my family will be disappointed in me because of course I'm going to be found out for being an imposter. So you start self-sabotaging your own mojo and mindfulness will disintegrate this where you can stand open, pay attention to the moment, not those thoughts that drag you out into the yonder. Who's in charge, the thinker or the thought? You are in charge. You are the thinker. We have all felt and listened to others suffer and act on feelings just like the ones I've listed above. And people who are not mindful and able to accept vulnerability in the moment move to the next moment dragging this head trash that I just described forward as part of their identity and take action against their shame in three ways. They either, one, withdraw. This is very passive-aggressive-like, so I'm not going to say anything, but I'll just do things underneath that are going to sabotage you. Number two, they advance as pleasers, rescuers, right? So when you withdraw, you're a victim, you feel powerless. Number two, when you advance as a pleaser, you're a rescuer. Or three, as a bully. Against that destructive power I don't want to feel like a victim, so I'm going to be hardcore. So this is how, unfairly, many women get described as, oh, she would eat her young. And that isn't true, but sometimes 
we want to appear so much like men in the workforce that we start to become a little overbearing when we definitely, it's a signal to look inside yourself. Why am I trying so hard? What am I afraid is going to happen? And we move to these victim, rescuer, bully roles because we desperately want to do something rather than nothing when what we need to do is just look inside ourselves. You might not like what you see right away, but it's going to give you a path to freedom. Notice if and when this ever happens to you. Yeah, I'm noticing I'm being a little overbearing. I'm noticing that I want to rescue and just jump in and save the day because that'll make me feel valuable. Oh, I feel like nothing is going right being the big victim. Now, let me tell you what these three roles are afraid of. If you're feeling sorry for yourself and like a martyr and this always happens to me and woe is me, there's a fear there. Be gentle with it. There's a fear there of taking responsibility for your own life. For choices that, yes, might bring you failure, but they might also bring you freedom and success. But you don't want to take the risk, right? You don't want to own the responsibility of making choices for yourself so it's easier to blame and complain. And when you're rescuing people, it gives you purpose because you don't want to feel abandoned. So if you always jump in and help people, then you'll have purpose, but you're denying them their ability to self-actuate, and you are also recovering over your fear of being abandoned. It's better to sit with that. Well, what would happen to me? Could I really be abandoned? I have people that love me. Do I really think that they won't love me? Get curious about that. And then the bully, the, you know, she would eat her young, those people have something in their life that is out of control. And if this is you, be gentle with yourself, hand to heart. Yes, I have something going on in my life that I wish I had a little bit more control over. And the fact that I don't sort of drives me crazy. But let me focus on for a moment what I do have control over. Because therein lies where I can take action. And confidence, all the research shows, confidence builds when we take action. Not think about it, not plan about it, not organize about it, when we take action. So I'm going to give you a few questions here, gentle questions to help you open yourself to free yourself from how shame might be holding you back and holding your relationships hostage. Number one, and you might even want to write these down because they're a good reflection to go back to and revisit. Number one, I want to be perceived as. So you might want to be perceived as kind. You might want to be perceived as a servant leader. You might want to be perceived as effective, capable, a get-it-done person. These are the ways that you want to be perceived. And number two, let's visit, this is how I do not want to be perceived. I do not want to be perceived as overbearing, ineffective, not capable, cold, distant, not somebody that can be relied on. 
not someone who cares. When you do this exercise, get curious about what is underneath that I want to be perceived as. And what is underneath what you're afraid of being perceived as? Because these are giving you some shame triggers. Ask yourself this, what do the perceptions of how you want to be perceived mean to you? Does that make you feel validated? Does that make you feel important? Because self-importance is never going to serve a leader. What about it is so fulfilling? Where did the message that fuels this empowering message emanate from? When did this start? When did you start telling yourself, I want to be perceived as capable? Because sometimes how we want to be perceived is a story we've been telling ourselves for a long time. Well, if I'm not looking like I'm important, I won't be noticed. Really, this is the time to figure out what these soundtracks in our head have been telling us. And what do the perceptions of how you don't want to be perceived mean to you? What about it is so dreaded? Where did the message that fuels this start? What's an assumption and what's a truth here? I don't want to be perceived as someone who doesn't know how to do their job. Well, why do we think we would be perceived that way? Are we telling ourselves some story from our past where somebody reminded us that, oh, you're not important or your work isn't that important? Really start to uncover where these messages are coming from and what you have established as a core belief. And create a clearing for yourself with your go-to relaxation practice. The mindful practices that we talk about in the Still Space podcast all the time. Is it meditating? Is it prayer? Is it yoga? Soft music? Is it reading from a book, a passage every day? Something that calms you? Could it be something spiritual? Lean into these feelings and ask yourself, you know, sometimes I feel what? Something uncomfortable. Understand what that uncomfortable feeling is. Is it abandoned, hurt, left out, rejected? But yet I'm still okay. I have a client who struggles with feeling that she matters on the team that she leads. She's actually in charge of this team. But she feels that her boss, she's a director, and she feels that her boss at the VP level isn't seeing her value, or maybe her team isn't seeing her value. And we really worked hard at drilling down underneath, what is underneath this, I don't really know if I'm effective or not. And it goes back to a lot of experiences that she's had. You ask yourself, when have I felt this feeling in the past? Well, what sort of value did I draw? What conclusion, which is an assumption, did I draw about this? And she drew the assumption that she always has to prove herself. Always, always has to prove herself. Started way back in school, moving forward into first jobs, second jobs. Understand what that message is so that you can be kind and gentle with yourself. And tell yourself, you know what, sometimes I feel that way, but I'm still okay. Don't fight the feeling or it chases you down. Like we said, like a nipping chihuahua. 
you're not good enough, you're not whatever enough. No, you know what? I see you there trying to keep me small and trying to keep me safe. But it's okay. Come closer. Let me nurture you. I'm still okay. We're going to be okay. At least once a day, every evening, write down two things. Something you're grateful for that happened that's outside of your control. If you're using my flow on the go guide, you know, you can just put that in the gratitude line. Something you're grateful for outside of your control and something you acknowledge about yourself. You're noticing something about yourself. It might not be the best thing, but it's really good if you're noticing a difficult feeling. That's a good thing to write down. So you're writing down something that you're grateful for that's outside of your control and something that you acknowledge yourself for. Good or bad, it's always good because you're noticing. And now that you recognize your patterns and triggers, simply notice when they're happening. Continually being able to notice your own thoughts and behaviors in real time. This will empower you to let go of the pattern, change your behavior, and get back to the moment. Simply taking a very deep pause, cafe, deep breath, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, taking that pause moment and asking yourself, what's going on with me here? Why do I seem out of alignment? What have I been telling myself? What is that story I've been telling myself? And then unravel, is it true or is it an assumption? You know, you're the a is ask yourself what's going on in Pause Cafe. The U is unravel the truth from the assumptions. And then the S is step back. Allow your view of the situation to get a little bit broader. And then the E is hand to heart. Extend yourself some compassion. You know, I'm glad I'm noticing this. And I'm okay. I'm not on fire I'm not going to fall off a cliff. I'm okay here. And I know this work is hard. And that's why I've dedicated this whole podcast to it. We're going to talk about getting unstuck now, right? When you suffer, you are often holding on to a belief that is in direct conflict with what is actually true. We're always trying to unravel the assumptions from the truth. Stress comes from attaching to a perception or a conviction that is, upon further reflection, false fiction. So it's helpful if you write down the painful stories, those soundtracks that run over and over in your mind, the one that makes you angry or feel abandoned or resentful or hurt. Every story of pain is a variation of a very similar theme. Life isn't fair. This shouldn't be happening to me. There's no God. I don't deserve this. Other people get all of the breaks. Know your story. And ask yourself, who angers, hurts, and disappoints you? Who is or are those people? And How does this happen that they disappoint you or hurt you or anger you? What specifically about them or the situation do you not like? A lot of times we dislike people that we envy, that we wish we could be more like. It's very empowering to understand that because then I can show you how to dissolve it. Then ask yourself, what do you want them to change? 
Or what about the situation needs to change? What do they need to do? What does the situation need to do? Be specific because if this is out of your control, this is how you are driving yourself crazy over things that you can't affect. Be really specific and understand what's going on. What is it that they shouldn't do anymore? Or shouldn't be anymore? Or shouldn't think or feel? What is it that this situation shouldn't be anymore? What's your advice? What do you need from this situation or this person that you dislike to be happy? Make a really judgy list of that. I need you to not be so successful anymore. I need you to not look so great. I need you to whatever. Be, let it be ridiculous and petty, really petty. The reason that we're doing this is because I'm going to show you how to transform this. What is it that you never want to experience again with that person or that situation? I don't want to feel blank, less than, whatever it is. Know it. Write it down. Now I'm going to show you how to turn this around. Is what you are thinking really true about this person or is it your slant on the situation or an assumption? How do you react when you believe that thought? How do you react when you believe that this person is more attractive than you are or smarter than you are or doesn't deserve where they are? How do you react when you believe that thought? Who would you be without that thought? Imagine if you didn't have to resent that person or even if you have a very serious illness and you're afraid of pain, might be afraid of dying. These are real suffering points for people. What if you weren't afraid? What if you are not any longer resentful? What if you weren't angry anymore? Who would you be without having to carry around that burden? Accepting that life is finite, none of us are getting out of it alive, understanding that pain happens and learning pain techniques that minimize your suffering from the pain. Okay, now we're moving into the real transformation. These are turnabout statements. You want to rewrite the statements that we already wrote about what we want to be perceived as and not perceived as. So, Use I statements instead of the situation he or she statements. So the example is, he doesn't appreciate me when. What if you turn that around to, I don't appreciate me when? Because don't these tie together? That person is really attractive and that makes me really angry. What if I'm really attractive? And... I'm really angry about that. You see the misguided nature of it? Or turn the negative verb into a positive. She doesn't appreciate me to she does appreciate me. Think about the beliefs that you have that undermine your progress and happiness, those self-sabotaging beliefs, like I'm going to die, 
I'm never going to feel well, I'm never going to get the job that I want, this person is always going to have one up on me, write a turnabout statement. What is also true? This is where you're going to take the statement of that person is always better than I am and gets all the attention to I'm getting all the attention or I'm afraid that this illness is just not going to ever go away and I'm going to be robbed of my life to a turnabout statement would be I'm going to take advantage of my life. I'm grateful to have the life that I have. Think of all of those painful stories, those anger stories, those disappointment stories, those hurt, those resentful stories. Think about turning them around. So, I really resent so-and-so for whatever. How about I really resent me for whatever? Would you do that to yourself? Or, I'm really angry at this person. They never help. Turn that around on yourself. I'm really angry with myself. I never help. It shifts the perspective. I resent this person. I resent me. I don't want to resent me. Or take the, I'm afraid of dying to, I'm afraid of living. Am I really afraid of living? Have I really been living while I'm stuck in this thought of I'm afraid of dying? See, when you start to turn these sentences around, and you can do it with any sentence, any doubt, any shame, any anger, resentment, feeling that you have, especially those that are deep down ingrained as a core belief, those are the ones you want to challenge because it's your imagination playing tricks on you, trying to keep you small and keep you safe. So challenge those beliefs by switching them. If you're critical of somebody, put yourself in that sentence. I resent me. I'm angry at me. Oh, what am I doing that I'm angry at me for? And if you're feeling something about a situation, like this will never change, flip that statement to, this can change. And challenge yourself. These are very deep, mindful questions that if you get in the habit of starting to see your resentment, seeing your anger, seeing your jealousy, seeing yourself as a bully, seeing yourself as a victim, seeing yourself as a rescuer, you now can just switch the sentence around and see what that does for you. Investigate. Be curious. We have so much power in our hearts and in our souls. And sometimes we let our thoughts take over because that's where our ego shows up. But that's not at your core. Reach down inside yourself where your core is. This is who you are. Okay, leader. Many of you have reached out and asked me what it's like to work with me in my Mindful Leader Satisfied Life Circle. So I'm going to give you a very brief overview of exactly what you get in working with me for that six-month program. You get transformation. You get walking into any room, any situation, knowing you belong, having control, having people come to you. But on a tangible basis, what does that look like? It starts with seven one-on-one laser-focused individual coaching sessions with me over six months, and then access to the six months of live weekly small group coaching calls 
And because you know I only coach a handful of people, sometimes there are only two or three people on those calls. Sometimes it's only you and me. So that's like another weekly coaching session. And you get to get the perspective of other executive leaders who are in the same place that you are. Get six-month access to my Mindful Leader Satisfied Life time-saving assets, trainings, modules, and all kinds of workbooks that personalize this to you. The self-discovery is inspiring. Can't wait to get on to the next module and see how much more self-control you'll have over those negative thoughts that have been holding you back. There's a private online community where we can share daily questions, but the special bonus is you have 24-7 email access to me. I'm your coach on call. You want me to look at your resume? I'm happy to. Any of the exercises that you're having difficulty with, you don't have to wait to the call. You just reach out to me and I will get back to you within 24 work hours. You're having a problem at work with somebody? I'm your coach on call. There's a leadership intake analysis that I read on my own time so that I can get more background on you and not have to use up your sessions with me. And exclusive to this program, Flow on the Go Weekly Planner, where you can track your routines, track your gratitude, track what's changing, what's showing up for you. Well, what does this look like over the six months, Mary Lee? Okay, number one, that first month, you notice your patterns, your habits. You start noticing the patterns and habits of others. You have defined your signature strengths and your personal values, and you're applying those. And now you're starting to dream again. You have a vision for yourself, for your career and your life. You've stopped judging yourself and others. In month two, this is where I've taught you how to self-regulate with curiosity. You process difficult and stale emotions and release them. You replace your stuck story with how you're not whatever enough. And you are now creating a career plan with confidence, feeling worthy. You have self-control over negative thoughts, over your behavior. And months three to six, you are playing blue sky big. You are soaring here. You are self-empowered. You execute your career and life plan. You shine, apply for stretch roles if that's what you want. You have better relationships and control over your food intake, your sleep, your exercise, your self-care. You have compassion for yourself. And you know that person that you really dislike? You actually have compassion for them. So there is a link in the show notes, maryleegannon.com slash consultation. Go ahead and apply. I will reach out. I'll set up a phone call with you. We can go over some of the details, but I'm interested in helping you be that mindful leader with a satisfied life. And there's no reason to wait because it happens quickly. I'm glad you were with me today and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website maryleegannon.com where you can also learn more about working with me.